What's going on, y'all? This is Kelly Clarkson. Welcome to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. The very first podcast dedicated to the original idol, Kelly Clarkson. Here are your hosts, Jeremy and Pam. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. My name's Pam. And I'm Jeremy. Thanks for tuning in this week for an all-new episode. So, Pam, as we uh, said last week, Kelly has a new Christmas single, a second new Christmas single this holiday season. This one is a cover of the 1989 song, All I Want for Christmas is You by, no, not Mariah Carey. What's that other one? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Vince Vance and the Valiants. I swear for all of the news reports on online and blog posts, everybody used the same joke of Kelly Clarkson covers all I want for Christmas is you. No, not that one. Yeah. Like, cool. Great headline, guys. Great clickbait. We get it. (laughs) Although, don't get me wrong. I would love to hear her version of the Mariah Carey song, but I don't know if. uh, I don't know if the world's ready um, for that. I don't think they are either. I mean, I think Mariah should have the ability to own that song for another couple years and then then she'll steal it from her. <laughs> yeah. I like the song. I mean, obviously the the two, this and Under the Mistletoe are very different. Um, I think yeah. the, the reason why I may like this song better is specifically for the first 30 seconds. Which is basically mm-hmm. I was just like, "Holy crap." It uh organ you see you hear some nice organ in there and some like percussion i have my suspicions that that might be jason on like a b3 uh playing that in the beginning and i have like the first few seconds i was like oh kelly taking us to church seriously and i i kind of (laughs) got vibes of a little random but love on the brain by rihanna it's kind of the same vibe oh because that's the same kind of instrumentation um sure yeah and i think it just it the song's different i mean um, melody wise, they probably like under the mistletoe better, but this mm-hmm. has insane background vocals. I can't tell. I think it's Jesse. I'm assuming it's Jesse. Yeah, it's a mixture of Kelly and I think it would. I would. I'm going to assume that it's Jesse. I don't think that they would go out of their way to find a different background vocalist when they've got Jesse sitting right there on the on the stage of the show every day. Yeah. Uh, so I have a feeling it's the two of them. But yes, I that was part of my notes too. Was that the background vocals on this are gorgeous and I loved them. I think that's like those are for me like those those elements alone. And then there's about halfway through the song, um, assuming it might be Jason or uh, Jocko, the electric guitar. I love. Mm-hmm. I think. All those elements I just mentioned are the reason why I really love this song because it's not like anything we've heard on Wrapped in Red. Whereas Under the mm-hmm. Mistletoe, it's great and I know it's a duet and it's fun, but it's also kind of reminiscent of some other tracks that she's done in the past. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's from the same uh, same family tree of Underneath the Tree, um, Christmas Eve. I mean, they do all have a very similar sound and and Kelly had said in some of the uh, the press for this new Christmas song leading up to it that this was a song that she used to sing a lot as a kid. And so she's obviously very familiar with it. Um, you know, it, it's a as I said last week, it is a staple on uh, Christmas radio every year. Uh, I actually I learned more about the song after I heard that Kelly was going to be doing a version of it. I didn't realize that it's technically considered a country song uh, or a country Christmas song. Uh, the group themselves are sort of a – I mean, they're a country pop group, but they're kind of a, a almost a novelty group. 
Um, you know, it's one of those bands where, you know, it's Vince Vance and the Valiants and the lead singer's name is actually not Vince Vance, but it's like their stage name. Yeah. Um, but this is really, you know, kind of the only song that of any note that they've had. And they actually don't sound anything like this. They are a much like if you heard a bunch of their stuff, you'd just be like, okay. <laughs> but then they come out with this really beautiful Christmas song. Uh, the lead singer was Lisa Burgess Stewart. Um, she was the one who did the lead vocals for this particular song. Um, and I thought it was a, a wonderful song. Uh, the first time I heard it, I loved it. And so then when I heard that Kelly was going to do a version, which she does stay pretty true to the original, uh, it just sounds a, more modern, really. Yeah. Um, I love the latter half of the song, again, especially with the background vocals, uh, you know, Again, Kelly and Jesse, I'm we're assuming is are the two background vocalists. They might have done some additional layering with them uh, at the end, like that last like 30, 45 seconds or so where, you know, it's the all I want for Christmas is you. I mean, that is I loved that. It was it was enough gymnastics that it wasn't overbearing and it wasn't too much, but it was yeah. great. And it just it fits so well into the song and I can't remember and I'm probably missing a very obvious example but I can't remember a song where Kelly kind of did like a la 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 on the way out <laughs> uh, which I thought was cute uh yeah, yeah I was right. I was very uh I was very pleased very impressed with with this particular version I actually did when I was just checking right now I uh, I ended up doing a poll um, on Twitter and on our Instagram stories about which song people preferred and I just mm -hmm. checked the results right now i'm not kidding you they're the exact same on both 53 percent <laughs> of you on instagram and twitter maybe it was the exact same people who voted i don't know um 53 prefer under the mistletoe and 47 prefer all i want for christmas is you which is really close guys like we're that's still like, a divided country <laughs> we're still divided but it's so close and i'm actually like very happy that it's so close because there's not there there isn't one that's just like way better than the other because they are yeah. very different so yay for voting people <laughs> yay <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean uh again it's uh available through all the download services that and uh under the mistletoe i did actually um i efforted directly to jason halbert about some of the information because this is the part where i really hate that we don't get physical copies of singles anymore is because i wanted to know who was behind the scenes in all of these songs? You know, I wanted to know who was on the organ, although we can pretty much guess that it was Jason. You know, was it Jocko on the guitar? Was it Jesse on background vocals? Uh, who produced it? Who, uh, you know, who did what behind it? I love that stuff. I love going deep into these songs. So I actually reached out to Jason personally and said, you know, hey, can we get a rundown of who did what on these songs, because I think those those names deserve to be out there. And that that gets sort of lost in the shuffle when things get released digitally and and not physically in stores because you don't get those liner notes. Um, so I hope that at some point that kind of stuff does get out there because, yes, they're just Christmas songs, you could say. But at the same time, I still think that that stuff needs to be recognized. I was just going on Wikipedia to see if it happened to be up here, but. It's not. Can I say something? Mentioning Wikipedia, can I just say, if you go and you do a Wikipedia search for All I Want for Christmas is You by Vince Vance and the Valiants, the addition of Kelly doing a version of the song 
That is from yours truly. Are you serious? I actually got to update a Wikipedia before somebody beat me to it. Oh, I love that. That's that's amazing because I was like, where is he going with this? No, it, well, because um, I've I've always joked see. I've always joked that um, whenever something wow. some major milestone happens to somebody, there is literally an army of people out there just waiting to update that particular person's Wikipedia page because it's like you know you go you know you hear uh, unfortunately about a celebrity passing away and you go to their Wikipedia page and it's already fully updated like somebody was sitting there just waiting. Or like somebody is out there just waiting to update that stuff. And so I thought for sure I would go on there and then I would see at the bottom because a few different artists have have covered the song like Leanne Rhymes, et cetera. And I was shocked to see that no one had mentioned Kelly yet. So I'm like, I get to post the update. I get to be the Atlantic one. Records thanks you. I'm sure they do. <laughs> yeah. They're going to go in on like Monday and being like – so did one of you do this over the weekend? And I was like, no, did you? Did you? And yeah. It's going to be that like me where like all the Spider-Mans are pointing at each other. Do you any yeah. idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. You did it. No, you did it. And no, like, you did. No, some random guy did it. Hey. All oh, right. So there awesome. you go. Uh, looks like we are uh, equally loving the new and second uh, Christmas single that we've gotten from Kelly this holiday season. Okay, Pam, put you on the spot here. chances of a third or more holiday singles um probably not i feel like i feel like we kind of knew that the two were coming and i mean i love that but no uh i don't know you think we'll get another one in december i'm gonna i'm gonna lean towards no if i really had to put money on it i'm gonna say no what about you Yeah, I think you're right. I think we've gotten the two that we're going to get. Uh, The reason I think that that's the way it is is because um, she's done a couple of uh, recent new photos or photo shoots with Weiss, and those were published uh, up on the Atlantic Records page. And I remember – and I don't know if we were talking about this on or off air last week when we were talking about getting the single cover for all I want for Christmas is you. And we were kind of, we were kind of making fun of it because it looked like kind of cheap Photoshop. Uh, but I kept saying that I had recognized that photo from somewhere and I could not put my finger on where I thought I'd seen that photo before. I finally figured it out days later was that on Kelly's artist page on Atlantic records, they had the photo already up and it had been up for a while And so that's where I had seen the photo before. And so um, and there's also the photo in the the green dress that she used for under the mistletoe. And so it's just those two new photos. So I'm wondering if they've maybe only shot two photos because there's only going to be two singles. uh, And that's how my brain works. Yeah, it's probably a safe assumption, unfortunately, but it's okay. We still got two songs and we didn't need to get two songs. So thanks, Kelly. Two songs is better than no songs. Yep. This week, we're very excited because it is Kelly's most controversial moments. Uh, Scandalous. Yes. Scandalous. Uh, We wanted to, to, before we kind of get into this list of uh, moments, first of all, it's great to be a fan of somebody like Kelly Clarkson because this was actually a, a relatively difficult episode to put together because there's not really a lot. She's a pretty normal good person so. yeah yeah um, and this... not saying that any any of these moments make her bad yeah just saying that knock on wood drama doesn't follow her follow her around too often 
yeah, if look, if we were doing this for just about any other artist, this would barely be a drop in the bucket. Uh, you know, if we were a, a, a Miley Cyrus podcast or a Madonna podcast, uh, these these specific instances wouldn't even make the top 10. But yet yeah. these are the probably five that we could come up with that were probably the most controversial. And uh, we do have to give a shout out to uh, some of our fellow Kelly friends that uh, we did uh, put out sort of some feelers to some select fans about what their thoughts were on some of these moments. And I do want to, at some points during the podcast today, I do want to share some of the comments that people had about uh, some of these particular moments. But uh, like I said, we came up with five moments that we think are sort of the most controversial uh, in Kelly's career. And before we get into those five moments, I think that first we should sort of do the honorable mentions, uh, the the ones that didn't necessarily uh, make the list. And again, you know, it was hard enough coming up with five, let alone coming up with an honorable mention list of things that are going on. Uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, we made the pledge early on in the podcast. In fact, I think we said it in the, in the trailer episode that this podcast was not going to delve into Kelly's personal life. Uh, so, you know, a couple people mentioned like, oh, you know, her divorce is definitely, you know, fitting for this list. Uh, this is like, we're not going to cover that. That's no. sort of a, for us, that's sort of out of bounds. Um, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunately looks like it's going to play out a lot more in public than I think she even wanted it to. Uh, so that's really all we kind of have to say about that because yeah. it is what it is and it's unfortunate and uh, it doesn't really fit the mold of what we're trying to get at with this particular list. Uh, somebody had brought up, and I had forgotten all about this uh, as we're talking about our honorable mentions, the jet ski incident where apparently that happened around the time of Idol slash Justin Kelly. I had no knowledge of this. So reading the, reading about that was wonderful. Would you care to explain? <laughs> yeah. So Kelly and Justin were at a beach, uh, I believe. Were they in Jersey or? No, I think it was somewhere more down south. Was it? Okay. I uh, think. But they were, they were out playing in the beach. There was Kelly and Justin and a couple of other friends. And apparently Justin uh, came a little close to hitting a little girl with his jet ski and apparently was flippant about it and didn't seem to really care all that much. And apparently Kelly was even more rude about it. And the dad of the girl knew who they were. And actually I sounded like the dad and the daughter had watched American Idol together. And, you know, it changed his opinion about the two of them, especially Kelly. I, I question how much of this is actually true just because um, more of it was not made. There wasn't a bigger deal about this made. This doesn't this didn't follow her throughout her career. You know, it's not brought up when, you know, ever whenever Kelly gets looked at as being, you know, the few times that she's looked at for not being um, nice. Uh, they don't say, yeah, and don't forget that time that she and Justin Guarini were doing the jet ski thing. And by the way, she wasn't even on the jet ski. It was she was on the beach when Justin almost hit the girl. So it was more about Justin. I guess he got fined uh, a couple hundred dollars or cited uh, by the police. Yeah, and- I'm I'm pulling up the, the article right now. It happened in Texas. It okay, was in Texas. July of 2003. It's a New York Post article, so it's it's very public knowledge. Yeah, I had no idea about this. This was kind of like a oh wow. 
Um, Which shows you course, how but, little it like affected her yeah. career and, and everything after. And I just can't help but like, I can't imagine this and just not think of that stupid hovercraft scene in from Justin to Kelly. <laughs> I like can't, I can't separate the two. So in my head, I'm like, oh, Luke's there too. And like Alexa is the one who put this on. Um, yeah. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. But. Uh, another instance that God mentioned for sort of honorable mention, uh, Tyson put this on Facebook about her choosing to sing Up to the Mountain at Idol Gives Back instead of singing what at the time was her current single, Never Again. Uh, she yes. sort of fought back uh, at her record label because she was like, it's going to be really tacky for me to come out at a charity event and sing my latest single. I would rather sing something that has a little bit more meaning. Um, Let's I mean, be honest. It's also one of her I mean, arguably one of her best covers. It's just, yeah. she, it's so good. And she has Jeff Beck on her with, yep. with her. Like that wouldn't have happened if she's saying never again, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Um, I thought it was so good for her for standing up. Yeah. It would have been super tacky. Be like, Hey, people are dying. Let me promote my new single about how angry I am at my cheating ex-boyfriend. So yeah. <laughs> she was very smart about that. Uh, a couple people mentioned the, uh, the nip slip photos that have happened there's, there's multiple that they weren't, weren't even mentioned yeah um it's happened a lot <laughs> yeah but and it's like anymore these happen and it happened yeah and I honestly mean, like kelly's are some of the most mundane of like all of them i mean yeah. you can find some that are just you know straight up bad uh hers are very like it, like it's a bunch of people looking at a screen really closely going is is that is <laughs> Is that it? Or is that just a sh- is that a shadow? I can't tell. Like that's a lot of what hers are. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, Lauren Grant on Facebook mentioned that when she met Madonna and said that she wanted her thighs. I didn't <laughs> yes. even know about that story. I love that story. Yeah, I think it was at the the 20 the t- 2006 Grammys. Um she met Madonna and she's like, I love you. I want your thighs. And Madonna's like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> like what do you say to that? Sure, take my take my leg fat, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> what? But I know Kelly meant it in the best way possible. Of course. Being like, you're in great shape. I want yeah. your body. You know. All right. Let's get into our list of what we consider to be the five most controversial Kelly Clarkson moments. Uh, we'll start with the metal school yes. appearance. I I love this. I feel like you and I are going to have two very different um, perspectives on this okay. story. We'll see. Um yeah, no, it's it's not a right or wrong. It's basically so that if anyone listening who maybe might be a newer fan and is very confused as to what we are talking about, 2006, Kelly and some of her friends got were in. I think they were in L.A. They got very drunk. Yep. And they went to a show. Uh, it's called Metal School. I think it's like they're like a cover band. They do a bunch of like hair band kind of covers they're known as steel panther now and they still do actually tour all over the u.s but Mm. they back in their metal school days they were very infamously known as a foul like very dirty like cover band that actually celebrities go to their shows all the time yeah they did a lot of like 80s like hair band kind of covers yeah Um, yeah and they very much like exude the 80s hair band rock and roll metal like lifestyle like they they i mean they, it comes out on stage trust me if you've watched the video within the first like minute you know what we're talking about yes so basically kelly was there with a bunch of her friends she was very drunk um and 
I, when I first saw this, I was 13. So, you know, seeing this as a third, this was in YouTube's very early days. Yeah. And I'm not saying the video went viral because if you look it up, it has like a little over a million views. So it's not viral by any means. But back in the day when it probably got the bulk of its views, it, it circulated pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, it was on all the gossip blogs. Yeah. And yeah. basically, Ryan Key from Yellow Card was there and the two of them end up on stage getting really drunk, singing Sweet Child of Mine um, by Guns N' Roses. They're drinking Chivas straight from the bottle. Now, as a 13-year-old- Was it Chivas or was it Jack? Okay. If you look at the caption on the video, it says, like, the the title of the video says Kelly Clarkson drinks Jack Daniels from the from the bottle. But if uh-huh. you listen to the guy from Steel Panther, he's like, look at Kelly Clarkson and Ryan Key, or, you know, the lead singer of- Yellow car, they're drinking Shiva straight <laughs> from the bottle. They didn't even know who he was. They're just like no, they literally lead, were just like the, the lead, lead singer, singer from not Yellow Ryan, card. not Ryan Key. Yeah, but um, I have a lot of comments on this. Okay, so again, as a very young child watching this, I mean, when you're 13, you're kind of naive. You're a little ignorant to stuff because you don't. You're 13. You don't know what's going on in the world. Yeah. So when I saw this, I was. Half horrified because I was like, you know, in my head, Kelly was this perfect person. She did no <laughs> wrong or whatever. When in reality, I mean, she was a 24-year-old. She's allowed to go out and party with her friends. But at that age, I, you know, I don't know this stuff. And of course, in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, she's like, she's going to be drunk all the time. I'm like, in reality, no, Pam, she's allowed to go out and have fun with her friends, whatever. Um, and – but – I. Also, I was kind of like, this is really funny and then hilarious yeah. because, like, I mean, she, she does a lot of stuff that I'm just like, yikes. Like, she <laughs> – going back to, like, nip slip. She didn't actually have a nip slip, but she almost is, like, touching herself. She feels a Brian Key on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some notes on this. Hold on. I should have – oh, what I was wondering, was this a PR move? Because did her and Ryan Key – I don't know if they were ever like a thing, but like, was this like a date? Did they go together? Like, there was a rumor that they dated. I don't know if it was a PR stunt because, like, clearly, I don't know if she was just like on the guest list, but Steel Panther knew that she was there. They knew both of them were there. Yeah. And this was like a like a nice camera setup. Like, this was getting professionally filmed. Well, they they professionally filmed almost all of their shows. Um, Do so, they? Okay. Yeah, that was not a surprise because they always filmed whenever they did their shows. Like, there was a specific club that they would play and they would – I mean, because there's a lot of their shows out there if you look them up. They do okay. have a lot of performances. Uh, so that was – yeah, that was definitely intentional. Um, and, I mean, look, it was – definitely the band that put it out because oh for sure like they said in the video you know it's like you know you got a major star on stage at your show you shout that from the rooftops because that gives you cred even if it is a pop star exactly and i think also i just me being super young at the time when they were they were i mean i'm not going to use it um i'm not going to curse on here because i don't want to have to figure out how to like flag this as explicit (laughs) but they're basically just like they were like we want to sleep with kelly or if we do this you know maybe she'll sleep with us and i'm just like what you know and get in my head like she's this like angelic innocent whatever um uh, whatever again i'm gonna preface many times i was young and dumb but <laughs> she's 24 let her li- live her life but yeah there were just so many things on there i was just like a little horrified about but looking back it is whenever i watch it it puts such a smile on my face it is just so funny and i'm like yeah. I wish I saw this in person. That is pure comedic gold. And I remember when I was in high school, a couple years later, I remember I found a sweater vest that was like dark green. 
And I went, I remember I went to this like family party. I wore a white long sleeve shirt. I wore my sweater vest and I painted my <laughs> painted my nails black. And I in my head, I'm like, I look so cool right now. I look like Kelly at, me- at metal school. When in reality, I'm like, you look like an idiot. You're the biggest dork right now. Why are you wearing a sweater vest to a party? That's so funny. I I remember that it was it was sort of one of the first times that the fan base really got to see her in a casual setting like that, where she did. She let her hair down. She was drunk. She was with Ashley Donovan, and she was potentially out on a date. And it was the most real we had seen her yeah. in a very long time. I mean, this was probably after she was done touring the Breakaway record. I can't remember exactly. Uh, yeah, what it was. Time re- of year. It was the summer of. It was the summer of two thousand six. So I think it was. So the, like in, even the addicted tour would have been done. It was like a right around then. Yeah, it was between yeah. the 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 two albums. So okay, yeah. So um, so she's letting her hair down. She's having fun. She's out with her friends. I mean, she. So in other words, she's doing what anybody else would have done on a Saturday night. Uh, but it was the fact that it was filmed and it went exactly. it got out there. And the, I mean, look, the reaction again the, with this being our controversial list, the reaction wasn't bad. She's of age. Out partying with her friends. Not doing anything wrong. No, she wasn't like she didn't do anything obscene. I mean, the the guys on stage and the band were being markedly more obscene than she was. Yeah. I mean, she was she was taking it in stride. Um, but it was just somebody out having a good time. And I think that the fan base loved her more after they saw that because they were like, oh my God, she is just like us. This is so how we are. <laughs> yeah. Like when we go out and we party with like a weirdo cover band at the, our local bar, I mean, we do this kind of junk too. Absolutely. Why not? So I think it was it was controversial in that it was the first time that a lot of people were like, holy crap, Kelly Clarkson is wasted, uh, which was hilarious Amazing. to see, but also a little jarring because- we're coming off of, you know, since you've been gone and because of you and, you know, these great tours and to see her just kind of like let it all out like that was was surprising. But at the same time, awesome. Exactly. That's why I was like half of it was like, what the hell? But also I was like, keep doing this. This is hilarious. But <laughs> yeah. that covers our number five most controversial moment. Uh, number four most controversial moment can be easily summed up in just two words. <laughs> Pitchy strippers. Yes. Uh. <laughs> uh, so this goes back to the 2013 Video Music Awards. Uh, Kelly was not there. Uh, she was busy doing other things. Uh, but she did tweet the morning after the award show. She had uh, either recorded it or had been watching some clips from the show. And she tweeted out, just saw a couple of performances from the VMAs last night. Two words, hashtag pitchy strippers um and this caught a lot of traction because it was one musician one celebrity calling out and and really dissing uh, several other celebrities now i should give you a a refresher on the females who performed at the 2013 vmas of course it was uh the infamous night of the miley cyrus robin thick Blurred Lines performance. Uh, But also on that bill was Lady Gaga, Ariana Grande, and Katy Perry. Now, it is obvious that Kelly was specifically talking about Miley Cyrus. It is not even questioned. Um, 
I think in later because this kept getting brought up to her in interviews. Yeah, they were like they were like, so tell us about pitchy strippers, and so you could just see like Kelly, like God, I wish I had not tweeted that out. It's so yeah, one, one I, of those times where you you say it out loud, you don't tweet it out loud. I was re- last night when I was doing my refresher for this episode. I was watching her 2015 interview on watch what happens live with andy cohen yes and he brought it up and she's like two years later two two years years later later. she's like well i never said it was about anyone specific and people are just making their assumptions and that is their problem and i mean like it's true but come on kelly (laughs) come on we all know who you were talking (laughs) we all know i actually wanted to go back and rewatch all of the performances i mean i don't need to see the miley cyrus performance because i know what it was but I don't remember the, you know, the Gaga performance or the Katy Perry performance. No. So I don't know if those could be classified under that hashtag. But because I know she said, you know, I was seeing she used the word some or, you know, a few or something like that. She she alluded to multiple people. So I don't know if she was talking about, you know, Miley and Ariana or Miley and Gaga or what. But she definitely made it sound like. She did not want to just label one person because if she came out and said, well, there was one performance where it was like, hello, I'm in a strip club. Right. It's like, well, duh. We yeah. all know what that is. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember what the reaction was from Miley Cyrus. I didn't I didn't care enough to find out what her opinion was or what she thought of it or if it ever yeah, got back to her. But I think it like – what it's pretty much not a thing anymore. I mean, Kelly's yeah. even covered her since multiple times. I mean, yeah. it's run its course, I, I hope. Yeah. Let's hope this doesn't bring it back. <laughs> I just well, I, I remember because I think even our uh, our our social media we tweeted out on like the seventh anniversary of it happening. It was not too long ago, like just just back in October, um, where I th- I think I was the one that tweeted it out from our account. That's just like you know hashtag never forget, <laughs> you know. <and> <laughs> The pitchy stripper uh, tweet there. So uh, that's our uh, number four most controversial uh, Kelly Clarkson moment. Uh, number three, Pam, I'm just going to I'm just going to hand this one off to you because I know you have all kinds of thoughts about this one. So our number three most controversial moment is something that will never escape Kelly's career. <laughs> it is called From Justin to Kelly. I mean, there is so much to say about this movie. I mean, we all, as fans, well, I don't want to generalize everyone, but I think we all pretty much love to hate it, and we also oh, yeah. hate to love it because yeah. I've, I mean, we've, I've, I own, I own it, I've rented it, I watch it. I don't want to say I watch it a lot, but I watch it pretty often. But it's just, it is so bad. My it's so God. bad. It's good. Exactly. I mean, the music's great. I think the music is the one good thing about the movie. Um, and I justice for a soundtrack. I know it's never going to happen, but the music yeah. was fantastic. But it was funny. The same Andy Cohen interview. Um, that's when he also asked her, oh, did you and Justin ever, you know, like, did you guys date during the movie or whatever? And she had to go be like, oh, well, we actually dated like in between Idol and the movie. And she mentioned something. She's like, I mean, listen, when you have two people that are so close together all the time, it's bound to happen. You might you might as well just play Timeless in the background. And I'm like, Kelly remembers the song Timeless? I was so impressed with that. Um, I mean, contractually obligated, I think Kelly needs to get that tattooed on herself. Because she's constantly just saying, contractually obligated to do this. But it's just so bad. It was like in the theaters for what, like two weeks? 
something uh, absurd yeah, like that. Yeah, it was. I mean, it had the uh, it had the shortest up until you know COVID and movies going all but straight to to video and in theaters. But at the time, it had the record for the shortest gap between theatrical premiere and home video DVD release of twenty nine days. Oh my god. That's yeah. so embarrassing. It but... also had uh, – it was the largest drop in attendance for a movie from week one to week two. It it dropped 77%. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, I think after week two, definitely by week three, it was out of the theaters. Oh, my God. I feel like that's a movie that's probably made more money on um, DVDs and rentals, like drunk rentals on like Amazon Prime than it has he, in the theater. But- but here, here's the thing about it is that it has become a cult classic. Yeah. It has reached that status where people – like it is a punchline movie, uh, especially when you talk about musicians doing movies. It is an absolute punchline. Um, I think it's time – and maybe she has sort of come around a little bit. Like I think it's time for Kelly to – just own it and like yeah. em- embrace it. Like she did, you know, in the first season of her show, she did an American Idol reunion. Screw it. Do it from Justin to Kelly reunion. Have oh my that, poke, God. Poke fun at it. Have a good, <laughs> like, don't let it be a blight on your career. Like, have a good time with it. Be like, remember when we made this trash movie? <laughs> Yeah, like okay. So for anyone who's not a, maybe has never heard of it, um, the movie The Room. It's the 2003 movie. It's known as like one of the worst movies of all time, mm-hmm. um, starring Tommy Wiseau. You should look it up. It's it's yeah. terrible. But my friends and I every year, non COVID, we go see the midnight screenings, and it's truly a terrible movie. But we go to the midnight screenings. People, it's kind of like a Rocky Horror esque kind of thing. Yeah. Like you throw things, you know, people yeah. get whatever. And the guy comes and like meets people and like that's his shtick. So I think yeah. it would be so funny if they did like a 20th anniversary like <laughs> mini like <laughs> national tour where they go and just do like the midnight screenings and just meet fans. I think that would be hilarious because it really is like a cult thing. One of the things that Pam and I have talked about doing is at some point we are going to do a watch along uh, with Justin and Kelly, and maybe you know, we we again we haven't talked about this, so I'm I'm throwing things out unconfirmed. But you know, maybe if we don't do it through like a Netflix party thing where we can chat textually, um, you know, maybe we'll do it via Zoom where we you know have everybody you know just jump on a Zoom with yeah. us, and we all sit there some night and watch it, and we all have drinks and just you know make complete fun of it or what but trust us that is something that we want to do down the road we'll give you plenty of heads up notice when it's coming i would love that that is because during during over the summer i was really bored and i like watched it and had a couple drinks and live tweeted it and it was fun but i think it would be cool to get more people involved uh some fun facts about the movie it cost 12 million dollars to make it only made a total of 4.9 million dollars at the box office. Yikes. So again, it very well may have made its money back just in video rentals and uh and sales. Um it was actually supposed to come out in the spring of 2003, but according to Clive Davis in his book The Soundtrack of My Life, he single-handedly got the movie delayed because he saw an advanced copy of the movie and was like, this is terrible. And he was very worried that it was going to derail Kelly's career because it was set to come out before Thankful came out. And um, 
he even said in his book, again, this is taking, you know, Clive Davis at his word. He said that he watched it, said it was terrible, asked Kelly to watch it and get her opinion about whether they should, you know, postpone the movie. And she said, well, I don't think it's as bad as you do. <laughs> and so I'm like, is there really a time in like the early 2000s when Kelly Clarkson actually didn't think this movie was terrible? Interesting. Or maybe she just felt like she had to say that. Maybe she felt yeah, pressured. possibly. She was, of course, it was contractually obligated to speak yeah. kindly of the movie. Uh, another thing uh, you mentioned, Pam, the soundtrack and you know justice for the soundtrack. Uh, there's a reason uh, why the soundtrack was actually never commercially released, and that was because the producers, who were 19 Entertainment, the people who were behind American Idol, they did not want the soundtrack to compete with Kelly and Justin's debut albums. Um, of course, of course, there were songs from the soundtrack that were included on each of their albums. Anytime was on Kelly's album. Timeless uh, ended up on Justin's album. Right. OK, well, maybe we can write a petition for them to release it 20 years later. You know, 2023, guys. Yes. We'll make I want to because like, you know, I have like crappy ones that are ripped from YouTube from the mid yeah, 2000s. Same. I want like nice ho- high quality versions of Forever Part of Me and yeah. Brighter Star and all that fun stuff. I think we are far enough removed that we're no longer going to affect the sales of their <laughs> debut albums. And in Justin's case it might actually help. help. <laughs> it might help. <laughs> uh, we have to put feelers uh, so- out there. Yeah. And by the way, uh, a great comment from uh, one of our friends, Penny, on Facebook said it was a miracle that her career was not derailed by this movie. And it's true. It's so true. And it's crazy that it actually grew so much more, you know, in like 2004. Exactly. Yeah. And again, you know, this movie has become and, you know, more so obviously with the Kelly fandom, but this movie has definitely climbed into cult status. Um, you know, people hate watch it. Uh, they they watch it purely because it is bad. And you know what? There are tons of movies like that that are beloved because they are so bad. And I think this is our little corner of hated Hollywood. You know, we we love to hate this movie. We do. And I'm glad it's in the world. I'm glad it is in Kelly world. All right. Our uh, number two most controversial moment uh, from Kelly's career is from May 28th, 2005. It happened in Portland, Oregon. And I I think a lot of people forget about this because this was actually not even brought up in the thread that we put out to some people to ask about the most controversial moments in her career. And that was the night that Kelly Clarkson – fired her guitarist on stage. So I, w- I want to give a shout out to a fan named Garrett who actually he emailed us about this and uh-huh. I completely he completely forgot this existed. Yeah. Um, so so what happened was is it was the breakaway tour, the first leg of the breakaway tour, so the original breakaway tour, and it was the last American show on the tour. So she was in Portland, Oregon. And she's near the end of the show. She's actually doing the rock version of a moment like this, which she only did on that tour. And Kelly's guitarist for the breakaway tour was a guy by the name of Dwayne Laring. And there's a a really crappy YouTube video out there that looks like it was shot on a potato. Um, (laughs) 
But I mean, it was 2005 YouTube, so I mean, it's what we got. Yeah. And um, there's a video that that shows everything that goes down, with the exception of what Dwayne actually did to get himself fired. There's a there's some differing opinions about what he did. Some people thought that he made some sort of a sexual gesture, gesture to some yeah. people to in the crowd. Other people uh, have said that he flipped off some girls in the like front row. Uh, so that is still sort of left up to the the lore of of what actually happened. But whatever he did, Kelly actually sees him do it. And while she's in mid song, she changes the words. Uh, I believe the uh, the word was that she was actually supposed to sing the oh, I can't believe it's happening to me. line, yes. And she changes it to tonight is Dwayne's last night because he just got fired, which is like. What? I mean, I, I can't even I can't recall there being a moment where an artist fired another artist on stage. Now, remember that, again, this is early in Kelly's career. I'm not even and I need to I need to maybe look at my stuff. Maybe Jason was in the band already. I know Corey Churko was in the band because he played uh, violin on that tour. Right. Uh, but um, this is pre like a lot of the people that we knew from the tour and People that are brought out on tour just to play with an artist, especially some pop artists, but in some cases like rock bands too, they're called hired guns. Mm -hmm. And all they are is just they're session musicians who uh, who go out and are just paid to play with an artist on tour. And then after that's done, they maybe go out and play with somebody else. I mean, I mean, honestly, yep. Corey, Corey Churko is a hired gun. Mm -hmm. uh, he just has a couple of artists who are very loyal to him and he plays solely with them but he's not like officially you know like an in-studio band member right. uh, of any particular artist so Dwayne was a hired gun he was the guitarist and I think actually his firing opens the door for Aben which is a blessing because Aben is uh, Aben's the best I mean my god thank you Dwayne for doing <laughs> what you did whatever it was because I believe it was what opened the door for Aben to actually leave Grand Colton Band and join Kelly as her touring guitarist uh, and also, you know, co-writer, yeah. uh, you know, co-collaborator. I mean, he he co-wrote uh, Under the Mistletoe. Uh, so after the song is over, Kelly addresses the crowd. At this point, she's about to sing whatever the last song – it was Breakaway. It was going to be the last song of the night. And she asks the crowd if they know how to respect somebody. Uh, and she calls Dwayne out. Now, I don't know if at, at this point, if Dwayne is still on stage. I think he, he is. Just, and he just has to, like, suck it up and finish the show. Um, but she basically calls Dwayne out for not being respectful, trying to ruin the show. And she, you know, warns him that, like, you are in for it when we get off stage. Um, and I can only imagine what happened off stage with Kelly and Dwayne and, and the the tongue lashing that that guy got. Uh, but the reason why I love this moment, and I mean, it was controversial because, you know, Kelly was still very early in her career and she is coming out like the total boss lady at this. Yeah. You know, she is the boss and she will fire you if you mess around. And she, you know, said, you know, nobody messes with my fans. Nobody messes with my show. Um, so this was obviously something pretty egregious that Dwayne did. But it was enough that Kelly jetted him 
uh, from the tour, which again, at that point, that was the last show of the American leg of the tour. I think they went to Canada after that, and then they went overseas a, a couple months later. But um, it was obviously enough that he gets let go and Kelly comes off looking like the woman in charge. You don't mess with the boss. So normally I would say, and there there are some comments on the video. I agree with both sides. So normally I would say you never do that in public. Do that behind mm-hmm. closed doors. However, whatever he did, again, no one really knows. Maybe if you were at the show, let us know. But yeah. Whatever he did was probably really bad because at the time, a lot of her fans were really young. Had I been at that show, I was like 12. So like she probably has a lot of kid fans there. So whatever he did was probably really hurtful or disrespectful for like kids. And, you know, had it been an older audience or something not as whatever, maybe she would have dealt with that behind closed doors because yeah. that you really should not be doing that in, in in the public and announcing it to everyone. Oh, I'm firing my guitarist. Yeah. But I think this was probably a extenuating circumstance where she felt like she had to apologize to the crowd and that was her way of apologizing. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you look at the comments, I see both sides. Yeah. And I, and I dug through a Reddit thread about this too. Really? People, oh yeah. There was a whole Reddit thread about it and people were, you know, saying that it was immature and unprofessional on her part. But, you know, looking back at it, this was her, I think really asserting the fact that she's the one in charge. You don't mess with her. You don't mess with your fans. You don't mess with her show. And I'm okay with, with her having done it. Um, you know, she hasn't done anything like this since. Uh, and we've had, you know, band members come and go and we don't know the reasonings behind them. Um, look, she, you know, could have written a song about him for for all yeah. we know. Um, so and for all you know, this this also may have not been the first instance, but maybe this was like the final straw. Yeah. We have could've no been. idea. Yeah, because I don't think um, I don't know if she's actually ever been asked about it. I don't think I recall it ever coming up no. in any interviews. <gasps> Interesting. Yes. Uh, All right. So that is our number two. And the number one most controversial moment um, could probably have been easily seen from about a mile away. Uh, (laughs) But there's a lot to unpack here because there's a lot that went on to make this a controversial uh, moment in Kelly's career. And, you know, our choice for the most controversial moment in Kelly's career. And that was pretty much the entire My December era. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Clive Davis, for giving us our number one uh, <laughs> number one pick here. I mean, now, I don't, we don't want to go necessarily too far um, into this because we're definitely going to cover this uh, not only when we do the album breakdown of My December, but we're probably going to do a separate episode in general about the My December era, which will pair up with the, uh, the album breakdown when we do that uh, down the road. Uh, but so, so Pam and I both did some independent research about this just to sort of refresh ourselves because it's, it's been a while since all this happened. And so a lot of more, my research that I did, I did it from Clive Davis's perspective. And I know Pam did a lot of research from Kelly's perspective. So we'll be able to bounce a little bit of, of, of these things off of each other, but essentially the feud between between the two actually begins, uh, and again, this is according to Clive Davis and what he wrote in his autobiography. 
But a lot of this actually begins during the Breakaway era and during the recording of the Breakaway album. Clive Davis brought the songs Since You've Been Gone and Behind Behind These Hazel Lies to Kelly to record for the album. She uh, records the songs. This is the first time she works with Dr. Luke and Max Martin. She has and has been well documented. She has a terrible experience recording with those two artists. And she comes back to Clive Davis. He has heard the songs. He knows they're going to be smashes. They end up being, you know, two of the biggest songs of Kelly's career. Clive Davis says that Kelly hates the songs and does not want them included on the breakaway album because she doesn't like the songs themselves. And because she hated the experience of actually recording them. He says that she broke down hysterically crying in this, in this meeting that they had. And he basically says, I hear you. I understand the songs are staying They're hits. Like you need big hit songs for a big pop rock record. This is the direction we feel you need to go. You need to go away from American Idol. You need to establish yourself as a pop rock artist. You need these songs. And this upsets Kelly greatly. Now, the part where we start to, to diverge away from what he said, she said, is that Clive in his book says that Kelly told the press that he did not like because of you and that she had campaigned hard to get the song on the album in his book. He says that he actually loved the song. He was all for putting it on the album. In fact, he was all for making it a single, albeit he wanted it to be a later single, like third or fourth single. And that he was excited because Kelly was writing for herself and she was writing on the album And he was excited for her. But of course, if you ask Kelly, she had to fight tooth and nail just to get the song on the record and that Clive actually hated it. Uh, Pam, I'll kind of let you pick up from here. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, I, as you were talking, I was trying to pull up an article that I read this morning about this. Um, So yeah, in Clive basically says that, you know, he was in her office hysterically crying about uh, the two songs, uh, Since You've Begun and Hazel Eyes. In reality, she's like, I didn't cry there. I just wanted to add more guitars, more drums, make it a little bit heavier. Which I believe, because that's what they ended up doing. Yeah. Because of you is where she cried, because he called her a shitty writer. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, what is the quote? Wait, I need to pull up the quote. You know, everyone knows the quote. I cried because he hated it and told me verbatim that I was a shitty writer who should be grateful for the gifts that he bestows upon me. Yeah. What the hell? What kind of person says that? What a I have so many comments, so many words I can say that I'm not going to say on this this podcast. But, but like, yes, the and the gifts that he's talking about is since you've been gone in Hazel Eyes, which she ended up changing completely anyway. And yeah. you know, it could have been a lot poppier, and it, they who knows if they would have been as successful. But they clearly were smash hits with her producer, my you know head in my you know in mind, where she's like, we need to add more guitars, more this and that. And, um, like, it's funny, I was actually reading more articles. Howard Stern actually backed Kelly up, even though he's made fun of her plenty in the past. Mm -hmm. He backed Kelly up on here. He's like, how are you going to, you know, say someone's creative process is shitty? Like, you can't do that. So after the Breakaway album comes out, it's a massive hit. Uh, Kelly 
leaves 19 Management, which was the management company through American Idol, and she signs with Jeff Quantinez. Now, Jeff and Kelly start to work closely on her next record, which obviously becomes My December. He's hyping up the album to Clive Davis. He's saying that there's like five or six hit singles on here. And Clive's like, okay, great. I'm really excited. Send me some songs. I want to listen to them. Uh, Jeff sends over a bunch of the songs. Clive listens to him and he says that basically only never again had a chance to be a hit. Now, I don't know exactly what songs he listened to. Right. um, But we do know that he said that about never again. So uh, he takes the album to some record executives, plays it for them. They all agree that never again is the only hit. So weird. Yeah. So then he requests a meeting with Kelly to express um, his feelings about the album Kelly tells him she wants to release the record as is. Now, again, and a lot of this is either from articles or or most of it's from what he said specifically in his book. And if you haven't read uh, Clyde Davis's book, it is actually a very fascinating read about the music industry. It is a very egotistical book. He very much thinks very highly of himself. And don't get me wrong. He has earned the right to be egotistical. Uh, but he really lays it on thick. I mean, you can do a drinking game with how many times he talks about his Hollywood bungalow. Uh, <laughs> oh, I know what I was going to say. This is not to, you know, do any sort of age discrimination, but he's like basically 80 at this point. I'm sorry. I don't know many 80 year olds who are really well versed in like pop music. But yeah, I mean, I will say I don't know. in his defense, he has a good track record. He does he have does, a good track but record. I don't know. He's had some misses, but he's also had a lot more hits and that's for sure so kelly expresses that she wants to release the record as it is the record is essentially a breakup record about david hodges yeah um which we've all known um clive explains to kelly that he wants her to express herself but the album needs hits and so um at this point you know he he uh does a testing uh group a test audience for the album they all agree that never again isn't is a, is the only hit and meanwhile he says this is when kelly goes out on a press tour and starts talking about how the record label doesn't want to release my album and originally they wanted to put out never again first Gauge the reaction. And then based on that, they were going to decide whether or not they were going to release the album. Uh, Kelly fought back and Jeff Quatnes fought back on that. They end up, you know, going with the regular release schedule, put out the single. And a few weeks later, the album comes out. As we all know, the album leaked out a little bit early. Uh, and also it was supposed to be a July release, I think. And then it got bumped up to June. Yes. Now, um, so Kelly's out doing the, the the press tour talking about the disagreements with the label and, you know, she does interviews with every magazine and it's all over the place. The album comes out, it debuts at number two. It does eventually go platinum. Never again as a single. It only peaked at number eight. Um, and the other singles that came off the album never reached the top 100. Yeah. Um, this is where I will say that Clive Davis is correct. Um, there are songs that are greatly beloved on that album. In fact, the album as a whole from the the very strong Kelly fan base is a beloved album. We we love it because it was so raw and so real and it was what a lot of people like about the album is how personal it is. Um but at the same time, it was not commercially um accessible. 
I love Sober as a song. I think it's a masterpiece of a song. It is not radio friendly. It just isn't. Yeah. I'm saying that as a radio person. I'm trying to take my Kelly hat off, put my radio hat on. It's not a radio friendly song. It's just not um, based on the ear of what radio programmers listen for. And I thought there were two songs that actually could have been pretty good singles. Neither of them were even touched. I thought okay. How I Feel could mm-hmm. have been a good single and yeah. a very random bonus track. I think Not Today could have been a very good Yeah. A good I, single. I do not disagree Com- even with that. compared to Never Again. Because Never Again, don't get me wrong, I think it's a great song. I love it. It's one of my favorites from the album, but it's not the best single choice at all. Yeah. So Clive Davis went on to say that uh, Jeff Quantinez told him that he and Kelly were planning an arena tour uh, to promote the album. He said, again, in his book, in his words, that it was a terrible idea and that this was not the time to do an arena tour. Uh, We all know that the arena tour ended up actually getting canceled. Um, Now there's differing um, viewpoints on why the tour got canceled. Some people say it's because it was a power move on Kelly's part to sort of punish the label and others say that it was because of ticket sales. Well, and, and also that, she fired her manager as soon as the tour got, 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 got canceled. So I think it was a yeah. mixture of a lot. Yeah. So this is around the time that the tour gets canceled. She fires Jeff Quantinez and she ends up signing with Narvel Blackstock. And that is when sort of, um, I don't want to say that, my December and the era was an off the rails time for Kelly, but it's Narvel kind of helps to get Kelly back on track um, and on a more successful track. And so this is when um, this is when they start to sort of prepare for all I ever wanted. And Kelly would actually go on to reference her relationship both with RCA and with Clive Davis uh, on songs that she would release on Meaning of Life. Uh, Didn't I is about uh, Clive Davis and I Don't Think About You is definitely about her relationship with RCA. And, um, you know, one of the one of the comments that we got uh, when we asked people about controversial moments said that, you know, while My December is a great album that a lot of us love, it did stop her momentum cold. Um, and that was unfortunate because she was riding high off of breakaway. I think that if my December would have come out later in her career, Kelly could possibly be an even bigger artist than she is now. Um, if we just did that record later in her career. And I know that, you know, there's a lot of people who say that, you know, artists should be able to do their, their passion projects and their pet projects whenever they want but, uh, and, and I'm looking at you, Taylor Swift folklore, um, but I think that I agree with that. I think that my December, if it would have come out later and she would have prepared the audience saying like, hey, this is not a regular pop rock album. This is not what you're expecting, but it's still me. It's still my music. But at the same time, you know, we've seen, especially early on in her career, that she did react very emotionally to major things in her life and a breakup with a boyfriend like David Hodges definitely influenced her to really want to get her feelings out there and to, to make this album. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. There is obviously no right or wrong answer. Cause you know, of course the two of us are thinking more through a, um, 
not a artistic lens. We're thinking in more of a promotional and marketing and sales mm-hmm. kind of lens. Um, you know, obviously we both love the album and we were happy when it came out, but yeah, yeah, it probably w- wasn't the best time to release it in terms of her career, but obviously in terms of her personal life, like you got to do what you got to do. Obviously if she, if you know, if the breakup happened when it happened, yet she released this four years later, it would not have nearly of an effect on herself. You know, it, it would it wouldn't even matter anymore. So I get it in both ways. Um, so it is crappy, but I think she has bounced back from it. Oh yeah, significantly. You know, this my December could have ruined her career. It could have because obviously it's a fan. Yeah, it's a fan favorite, and I'd say the majority of fans this might be their favorite album or their top three. But as a whole, it's the one that people know the least because yeah. if you say like, I mean, I know a few people who aren't necessarily Kelly fans who know Sober, but other than that, that's probably the only song on the album they know. Never Again, people don't know that song. The common casual person, they don't know Never Again, barely. Or or if you do play it for them, they're like, oh, I forgot about this song. I, yeah. I, I, va- I vaguely remember hearing this on the radio for a hot minute. Exactly. And then for Sober, I know a lot of my friends who know it, weirdly enough, because it's like if you type in Kelly's name on YouTube, the performance that she did at the Troubadour in 2011 is one of the first videos that pops up. So I, I know a few friends, and it, that makes so many like, you know, BuzzFeed lists and all those rankings of best Kelly performances ever. But yeah, yeah. Um, it was just a weird time. It was a weird time for her. And also, you know, think about it in the case of her set lists that she does these days. Uh, she the never has a song from there. She had Sober, yeah, Tiny Bit, last tour. Yeah, it, it is rare that any song from My December makes it to a set list. I mean, Never Again is the most likely song to make a set list. Um, that has like, been on like in Pam, years. Yeah, and, and like Pam said, uh, you know, Sober uh, – made it for a little bit. And I mean, I don't want to say that Kelly has forgotten the album or jettisoned the album, but I think she also knows how to read the room and she knows that it was not a commercial success album. And so she's going to dig more into those albums that, that were. Yeah. I'm curious if like for Vegas, whenever it happens, if she's going to pull some of those out of the archives, I'd be very curious to see that. I got to say that I would be willing to bet it would only be never again. Yeah. Or sober. I mean, one of the two. Ve- I mean, Vegas shows are. It's, it's a greatest hit show. It's, it's always a greatest hit show because Vegas shows do not attract like the hardcore fans. They do no. in the beginning because the fans want to come and see that particular person in Vegas. But Vegas residencies and, and I let me just say that I never have liked the fact that they were calling Kelly's stand at planet Hollywood as a residency because a residency is what Celine Dion did. A residency is like what Siegfried and Roy and (laughs) David Copperfield does that. They've been there for years. That's a residency. They call it a residency because you move there, you know, you live there. Um, You know, Celine Dion played Caesars for God, like three, four years. And then she took some time off and then she came back and played a couple more years. Yeah. Kelly was doing a month's worth of shows. You know, that's that's not a residency. I don't like that they called it that, but it's sort of just when an artist plays more than one or two shows in Vegas, it's suddenly a residency. Yeah. Um, and I've seen even shorter ones. I've seen residencies that were like two weeks long, and I'm like, that's not what that is, but okay. Um, but anyway, um, you know, when people come to Vegas and they buy tickets for a residency show, 
they're not necessarily the type of people that would even buy the tickets for the show if it came to their town. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, it's a convenience thing because they're there and it's an experience. Yeah, they're like, hey, we're in Vegas. Let's go out and see a show. I don't know. Kelly Clarkson's playing. You want to go see that? She's awesome. Yeah, sure. Let's go buy. Let's get some Kelly Clarkson tickets. And then we're going to go gamble and we're going to go on the the stratosphere or whatever. Like, that's what you do <laughs> when you go to Vegas. You like It's a... A, a, a residency show is a and then show where it's like, well, we went to Kelly Clarkson and then we hit up the ghost bar and then we hit up this. And so it's not like for for a lot of people, it's not the sole purpose that they go to Las Vegas. Uh, now, for Kelly fans, absolutely. In fact, with her being there for only a month, those shows were probably going to be primarily filled with her fans because yeah. when you have a residency show for the first few months – that's who's coming and going to those shows is the people that are the Uber fans. All right. So that's going to wrap up our uh, list of the most controversial Kelly Clarkson moments. Again, we had the, uh, the metal school appearance. We had the pitchy strippers tweets, the, from Justin to Kelly movie, uh, Kelly fires her guitarist, Dwayne on stage and the, my December era slash feud with Clive Davis as our top pick for most controversial Kelly Clarkson moment. Of course, if you've got Kelly Clarkson moments that you think should have made the list, or if you've got one that you really want uh, us to uh, know about, feel free to hit us up on our social media channels. Yes. At Miss Into Podcast. And you can email us as well at Miss Into Podcast at gmail.com. And next week for our episode, we are going to do another installment of My Kelly Experience, where we're going to be talking to a few fans about their experiences being a Kelly fan. Excellent. So be waiting for that. Until then, we will see you all next week. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and follow on all the social media channels. Until then, we will see you guys next week. Bye. You've been listening to Miss Indie Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. Miss Indie Podcast was written and produced by Jeremy and Pam. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you'll be the first to know when a new podcast is posted. Continue the conversation by following the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Miss Indie Podcast. Send us your questions and comments to Miss Indie Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>